One week ago today, I left for Alaska for the uh, beginning of Iditarod 51, handling the live stream coverage and the live show production. This is a another hybrid year, similar to the Iditarod 49 race in 21, where I stayed in New York and did the live stream work from here. It was slightly different in that we didn't have to produce any of the live broadcasts. This year for Iditarod 51, I agreed to come up and get everything situated, do the first live stream, which is the Musher's Bib Drawing Banquet, which was a live production that went off uh, in person very well. And then I flew home on Friday evening, and I was uh, back in my home office on Saturday evening. And then on Sunday at 6 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Alaska, I produced my first remote production multi-camera switch uh, from New York with the origination in Alaska. And this was planned and tested, but really this was the first, for me, the first go-round of doing that. And for the most part, everything went off without a hitch. The, uh, the technology worked really well. The bandwidth wasn't great, I'll be honest. We only had about 12 to 13 megabits of up throughput, of ups, upload speed, which was less than I was, um, you know, you could say promised or less than we were told that we should expect. Now, granted, I know these are theoretical plans, but I mean, I was really hoping for at least 15 megabits. We were getting about 12 I had to step down the bandwidth on each encoder. That was uh, four cameras being sent back using uh, Intenor's direct router. So a step down the bitrate on the cameras to about two and a half to three megabits total with audio. Everything worked really, really well, except I had a small um, technical issue. We had a thousand feet of tactical fiber that was running one of our long uh, cameras, long run cameras from the control room up there. And it was trenched across the the raceway, if you will, in snow, about six to eight inches. But it was at the bottom of a hill where the mushers are dragging a break. And the first 30 teams, you know, got through it okay, but I guess over time, the cable was getting dug up, and on the 31st team out of 33, um, the cable got cut. So my 1,000 foot of tack fiber is now in two pieces. I'm assuming it can be re-terminated. I'm not sure if they can actually patch it. I, I don't know how that works. I've never had this experience before. So that broke. We lost the last camera for the last two mushers. We had a backup um, wireless transmission unit, which was a Hollyland that I rented that we, you know, too much stuff going on too late in the, in the race. I couldn't get um, the patch to be connected at the uh, Alaska side in time to use it. So we managed with just two cameras. So aside from that technical stand, everything else went off okay. 
the problem in general with these live stream jobs is that I am using resources that don't belong to my production. The production has shared resources with the documentary team. So the documentary team has a camera operator. This year it was Mr. Christian Schlicht. He was at the starting line. He was getting the teams as they come up from the uh, holding area up to the start before they leave. And that's a handheld shot that I like because it's close to the dogs. It's close to the musher. We get the goodbye kiss, all that stuff that's uh, color. But I couldn't communicate with him. He couldn't um, hear me just with logistics. But also, he's not shooting for me. He's shooting for the documentary. That documentary has different needs than live cameras. So I basically had to switch around him with no communication, which is not ideal. It's a little frustrating because a lot, there's a lot of swish pans and drop. And, you know, I had to cut away, you know, at inopportune times which is, you know, frustrating, which we had dedicated resources to this, but it is what it is. We we did the broadcast. It worked really well. From that point, I had to rely on my local contractor, him and an associate. So two people had to pack up all my gear in my cases and then transport it from Willow, Alaska, where the restart happens, back to Anchorage to be loaded onto a cargo freighter today to go to the finish, which is in Nome, Alaska. And that's a process that is a little um, frustrating because the, um, the shipment is not guaranteed for any certain time. That's not like FedEx where you um, say, you know, this has to go here by then. Like you, you pay, they put it on a plane, and it goes when they have the space and the time to get it there. There's not really a hard set delivery, especially for a pallet of equipment. So I had to also FedEx to the finish another fiber reel because that fiber reel is used to transport uh, my POV cameras, which sit on top of the finish line, the arch, what they call the burled arch, and that has to um, transport the signals back to our encoders, which then sends two camera feeds back to me in New York to be mixed together. And of course, now it's cut, and I don't have any way to re-terminate it. So a big, expensive FedEx shipment has to be sent up to Nome on a uh, budget for the Iditarod that's already stretched thin. So that was unexpected and unplanned. I was thinking, you know, conceivably to send both reels up, but we opted not to since it was just already a lot of equipment going, 20 cases. Hindsight, yes, probably should have sent both reels up. You know, you're damned if you do, damned if you don't, either way. Then my job switches from, you know, vision mixing live stream multi-camera show to running a 24-7 control room to, you know, switch the trail feeds. So we had one trail feed last night. They they ran into difficulties. It was actually Tom Chartrand's uh, fly kit. They got to their checkpoint in Finger Lake, and they were supposed to have a satellite internet connection set up already. Something happened, it got moved or, or shuffled, 
Tom apparently spent four hours on the phone with the satellite tech trying to repoint it. Unsuccessful. They were able to get a backup Starlink dish to work, but the bandwidth was a bit choppy. So they were supposed to be on the air around 7.30 at night. They got up about 10.30 at night, which is 2.30 a.m. for me. So my job is basically to... Um, sleep when I can. I got a call at 2.30 in the morning, get up, go down to the control room in my basement office and switch the feed, record whatever has to be recorded, post up uh, the stand-ups if they do that. And then, of course, I have, if I can, you know, go back to bed unless there's something else to do. And so that's how it's going to be for me for the next 10 days or so. It's better, way better to be here at my house doing that than stuck at the uh, hotel in Anchorage, which is less than desirable. It's way, way better than being stuck in Nome, which is uh, very difficult for an extended period of time. It's kind of like Las Vegas. You're good for about three days, and then you want to get the heck out of there. So that's my daily report for Monday, March 6th. I'll do these as I feel inspired. We'll see how it goes. For the I Did a Rod Live Diary, this is Art.